0: What's up, friends? Welcome to another episode of Content Matters. My name is Alex Felice. I'm here with my favorite buddy, Sean. Sean, what up? Hey, what up, Alex? How you doing? Excellent. This show is for entrepreneurs who are looking for creators to work with or for creators who are trying to work with entrepreneurs. We are trying to blend the money and the artistry oh, in the current age with content. And so if you are either of those, you're in the right place. We've got a couple of things to cover today. Do not, Sean.
1: We've got a few topics we wanted to discuss with everyone listening.
0: Yeah. Um, I think this will air tomorrow. I actually don't think they were that far ahead. Um, The first one is on Saturday. Today is Thursday. On Saturday, uh, Alex Tramosi is releasing uh, his new book, $100 Million Leads, and the marketing campaign for that has been uh, pretty impressive. This is not really a marketing show, I don't think, but I think he blew up due to mostly his organic content. So now it's like the blend of the two is, is becoming, uh, it's important to do both, let's say, but he has uh, sort, of, sort of mastered both. And now he's got this, this event coming out and they say that 500,000 people will attend
1: Yeah, so I just signed up for it last night. I was doing a little bit of research. Uh, His 100 million offers book did really good. He had over 300,000 in sales, has 16,000 reviews, averaging 4.9 on Amazon. And when I signed up last night, it said uh, over 230,000 people have already RSVP'd. So... I'm uh, shocked by how much he's been able to blow this up. I mean, we already knew he had a big following. He's huge in the space. He came out of nowhere overnight. Um, But I'm curious how many books he's going to sell. And, you know, the pros and cons even just between doing a virtual event versus in person. Because with it virtually, you can have more people attend. You have little to no costs. You can just do it from the, you know, your home, essentially. Um, But... I know he also has an affiliate program for uh, his book, so everyone's been talking about it. I've seen at least four or five stories when I last logged in on Instagram, just that alone of people saying, Alex Ramosi's event's coming up. So
0: I think it'll be Yeah, well, be huge. it makes me wonder. I wonder, if, um, I wonder if he even needs to make money on the book, right? The, I don't think his last book makes much money. I think it's more like, hey, you can write this book, which is essentially, you know, cost of labor, Right? You can publish it, which I don't know what that actually costs. Um, and even if you don't make anything, it's like how many people read that book and now have internalized it and you get them, you're, they're sticky forever. So we talked about this, I think maybe last week or the week before where it's like there's a lot of content consumers that are non-monetizable. They're just there to, to watch whatever you're doing, but they're not like active participates in your, in your world. They're just voyeurs. And so when you, when you do short form content, that gets higher because people don't have to make it an emotional investment. Long form content is better. That's why I like podcasts because you get to know somebody and like how they think um, and their personality much deeper. And books are much more so because you've got to spend your intimate, quiet time, think like listening to this person in your head. So I think, I, I wonder for him if the book can literally be a loss leader. He could spend a mil- he said he spent a million dollars in the marketing for this, uh, for this, this uh, webinar you know, if a half a million people show up, even 250,000, which by the way, he only has 1.5 million on Instagram. So, um, that's a very high conversion rate. Um, if, if 250,000 people show up and they read his book, what does that do for his long-term brand? Right. Is that he must, I'm sure he knows the metrics, like how many of those people are going to convert into customers? What are those customers worth? And so he's probably just done the math and said, I can literally write this book. I can give this book away for free, at least, at least to the first 300,000 people. Um, I can pay for this, this webinar to host. I can pay for all the marketing. I can give all this stuff away. And in the short run, it'll cost me, you know, it's a marketing expense. In the long run, it'll make me money.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, one of the things, too, that he said when I was filming at an event that he spoke at, it was uh, Ryan Pinedas. But Alex was saying the longer... You can give without asking, the bigger the ask when you do ask. So I think he's just been building up goodwill and credibility in the space. Totally think it's a marketing ploy where, you know, everyone's going to know who he is after this if they don't already, um, or at least a lot more than already do.
0: Yeah, Grant Cardone did something Early this year, it just seemed like he was on fire, where it's like everywhere for weeks and weeks and weeks. He did this big, giant webinar. And everybody was doing these affiliates, and it was free. And, you know, he, he got a smash of people to show up. But the thing that really interested me about this is uh, he said 500,000 people will be there. That's nine football stadiums. Jeez. It's a lot of people. <laughs> it's a lot of bodies, yeah, to be in one place at one time live. So I think it really... It really emphasizes that right now, for people who want to make content, how important, how big the ceiling is and how important it is. Because, you know, both these guys are examples. You know, you can look at Alex Robozy and be like, oh, my God, you know, he he did it. He came out of nowhere and he did it and I can't do that. But then you look at a guy like Grant Cardone and I'm like, when that guy started, there was no internet. Mm-hmm. And so he's figured it out. So I, I think, I think... And he's much older, right? He's got to be, is he 60, 65? Um, I think yeah. the, uh, the, the possibility and opportunities for these, these big uh, events, but also just like new ways to actualize your user base, your, your follower base is, is, it's growing. It's evolving every day.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, 500,000, yeah, nine football stadiums, that's, that's pretty unbelievable. Um, I don't know how old Grant Cardone's is, but he's, he's a beast in the business. I know he's been making content for a long time before a lot of people were before the trends were, um, but yeah, no, it should be interesting. I'm, I'm definitely going to tune in to, uh, Harmosi's. I'm looking forward to it. I wonder if they're going to have any other, you know, guests of any other like business thought leadership, entrepreneurs or any other authors or, or what it's going to entail exactly.
0: Um, how many books do you think he'll sell? He's not going to sell any. He's going to give them away. All the way. Okay. Well, well, at least at this webinar, I mean, he'll sell some yeah. of the back end, but I, I just don't think at a $10 book, I just don't think it makes much money.
1: Yeah. I think his last I don't one I think that's was a point. like, if I look online, I think the last one was like, uh, a dollar.
0: <laughs> yeah. Even if you sell for $10, I just don't think there's that much money in, I, I could be wrong. I just don't think there's. I don't know. Brandon made a lot of money when he was selling books, but it's a short period, right? Because even then, even if you write a great book, it's like you get a two-year window or whatever, and then it's, people move on. So I don't think that it's a profit motive. I think it's a marketing motive. I mean, you, add, sure. you create value, like you said. What did you say? You did the Gary V, the, the Gary v model, uh, jab, 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 hook.
1: hmm
0: Right? Yeah. Give, 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 take. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he once said, Gary Vee, he once said, he goes, uh, I, would, I would have written the book Jab, Jab, Jab always, or Jab, Jab, Jab forever, if I could have, but you have to make a living.
1: <laughs> yeah. So I just looked, the last the other book, it's uh, 199 on Kindle or $2190 on paperback, but. Yeah. Yeah, you're not going to make much on, on 199 uh, for each Kindle version, but it's certainly going to sell a lot.
0: Yeah. Uh so anyways, I'll be there too. It'll be an interesting time. But it also makes me think about, you know, what I can do for Brandon and my and other clients. Like, how do we do webinars? How do we do I don't I don't know how to do the ad, the paid ad side. Uh Brandon and I are doing a webinar now, but we just recorded a bunch of ads. So if you're a content creator, right, you can go say, hey, look, how about how about I'll help you host a webinar? I'll help you make the creative. Um maybe you figure out how to do some paid ads or maybe just try to blast it organic. And you say, you do a webinar, I'll get 50 people there at this dollar amount. I want half. If you're the one that comes up with the idea and does all the marketing. Right. And then you can renegotiate on the second one. But so if you're a, I'm just trying to think of like creative ways to, to use this, this information for, and if you're an entrepreneur, you know, if you're an entrepreneur, like definitely webinars seem to be like this new, the new trend. Um, um, Brandon is doing one in a few weeks. We're going to do a couple a year actually for, um, for the tribe. And, you know, obviously Grant did it. Obviously Homozi does it. There's, there's a lot of these that are moving. So I think, I think this is a, a very important trend to watch.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. I think just the fact of, uh, building community and having events, whether they're virtual or in person, I think it's going to be something we continue to see. So when people go to events, you know, it's really at least the in-person events, in my opinion, it's they want to connect with the people and then they want FaceTime with the speakers or the people that are talking. And um, a lot of times they have a like-minded community and that's where you can meet other potential partners, clients, friends. And, you know, what, what's the saying? It's uh, your vibe attracts your tribe. So, you, you know, you put out the vibe and then, then um,
0: can... the in-person events are really interesting we're going to do three in-person events with better life this year and uh the actualization of your following base to go into a- to real world events is way harder right because the cost is higher the logistics is higher the time is higher it's just it's way harder but when you get 100 people in a room 600 people in a room and they had to like fly cross-country that's powerful if you can get a thousand you know bigger pockets will be 2500 people this year like that's powerful even though their user base is 2 million um, 2500 people who spend a thousand dollars on a ticket and then a thousand dollars on a hotel room and then fly across the country to spend three days you know with people they could easily talk to on the internet it's powerful
1: yeah no but like you said I, a lot of, a lot of effort that goes into them a lot of planning and then just the the costs for the attendees to go to them so
0: yeah um, let's talk about a similar topic uh, this guy Kai Sanat Twitch streamer, big-time Twitch streamer. Do you know this person?
1: I didn't hear about him until I saw the article. But sounds like he, he got arrested for a riot from a Twitch stream giveaway.
0: Yeah, I don't know the details, so I could be out of... Like, I'm not, I'm not actually implying there's anything nefarious happened. It, what happened... The way I understand the story is he's a popular Twitch streamer, and so popular Twitch streamers do giveaways. And so he said, hey, everybody in New York City... Um, on this stream, uh, meet me at this location, and I'm going to give away PlayStation 5s. A whole bunch of them. And Twitch, for those that don't know, is a streaming platform similar to YouTube, but it's usually live, and it's usually for gamers. Not always, but usually for gamers. And so his audience is all gamers, so they're like, yeah, I want a free PS5. I'll come do that. And I don't know what happened, but apparently thousands and thousands of people showed up and got violent, and they ended up arresting... Quite a few people and the organizer, the guy, the Twitch streamer, Kai Sanat, they arrested him for inciting a riot. Now, I don't know what happened. If it just got out of hand, I don't know if he's guilty of anything or just they had to assign some blame or what the deal is. But um, I, I assume I assume he did everything in good faith and it just you know got out of hand. But it emphasizes my point. And it's the same thing with this Hermosi thing where it's like you can go online and now you can coalesce people and community to actualize their their behavior into real life. You can take internet, you know, I mean, politics has been doing this for a long time, right? Where they're like, you know, they, they try to mobilize people to come vote, but now you can do it with, um, with all sorts of new ways, like giving away PS5s. And so I do wonder what we're going to see in society when people can realize, you know, wh- what they can do with that power. Um, how many people show up for these Mr. Beast events, right? It's, it's, when he opened Mr. Beast Burger, he thought it'd be like a 1,000 people. It ended up, like, ended up being exponentially more than that from what, I, from what I recall, right? It was huge. They had to shut the – I think they like shut them mall down, right? It was like this whole thing. So um, I wonder what it looks like for the future where these online personalities can coalesce community in a way that just we've never seen before.
1: Yeah, no, I think, I mean, I think it'll only get bigger and bigger. I mean, uh, they'll probably have to have more security guards, a little bit more planning. I don't know if you'll be able to do the impromptu, hey guys, I'm going to the Mall of America and doing the PS5 giveaway and just kind of hope for the best. You know, I think it'll have to take a lot more planning just because, you know, the economy is a scale when you have following that big and then people tell their friends it can really cause
0: uh, public disturbance for sure. Well, the, the the other side of that is it causes good marketing, right? Now everybody knows who this guy is, right? Who yeah, went onto his yeah. Twitch stream now and was like, who is this guy? I wanna, I'm on Twitch. How, do, how come I don't know this person? Yeah. So I do worry, not worry, but it's interesting to see like, hey, what are the, you know, it's the old saying, all press is good press. So this guy causes havoc, havoc. but I'm like, dude, he grew. He probably grew in size, like in in, in He's only been encouraged to do something similar again. And the interesting thing is, um, when you say like, security and this and that, I'm like, if he doesn't do it, then nobody else even knows it exists. The police didn't know this was going to happen. I don't believe. I could be wrong. But I don't think like, they knew this was going to happen. So it's just, like, it's, just coming, it's just coming to fruition on this like, little corner of the Internet um, that happens to be a massive corner that nobody else knows about.
1: Yeah. Well, the thing that's uh, interesting that you mentioned with uh, Mr. Beast... He's actually in a lawsuit right now with uh, Virtual Dining Concepts. They're the ghost kitchen that he partnered with. Because when they first launched the Mr. Beast Burger, it was in just North Carolina. And then they scaled it to, like, 1,700-plus locations across the country. And what happens when you scale too fast? You have problems with quality control. So naturally, they did. And Mr. Beast went on Twitter and started talking crap about uh them essentially um and so now he's being sued for a 100 million dollars for being negligent for how he talked about the brand um he was quoted you know the company partnered with won't let me stop even though it's terrible for my brand young beast signed a bad deal if i had the ability to close it i would a long time ago it's a poopy deal guys and he deleted those tweets ever since but and now he's countersuing them for an undisclosed amount, so that'll be interesting to see how it plays out. And I think there's a couple takeaways from this. You know, number one, don't scale too fast. Number two, be extremely, uh, you know, f- measure twice, cut once when it comes to who you're partnering with. And then three, don't talk crap about it on the internet, or they're going to come after you for it. So. I think it's probably a lesson learned for him it'll it'll be interesting to see how this one plays out but um i remember when they launched that when i watched the video of the first mr beast burger opening it was like cars lined around the blocks probably for miles and it was just insane
0: yeah i think all three of these stories have the same like sort of interesting uh dynamic where it's like they have these giant online audiences and they're trying to mobilize them in the real world in you know, new and, and difficult ways. And they're finding that like, online organization is sort of, it's hard to get attention online. Well, that's not true. It's hard to get attention on, on online and in real life, but um, the tools for online are sort of easier because people can stay home. When you start mo- mobilizing people in the real world, it gets harder. And, mm-hmm. uh, and they're all learning this. The interesting thing about Mr. Beast is, you know, he was, he is the best at YouTube and so now um, all three of these people do the same thing. They say, I have an online audience and I have an online product. And now I have this giant audience and how can I monetize them in new ways? The old business model for centuries has been you have a product, then you go find customers. Now it's you get a smash of customers, then you go find a product to, to serve them. So Mr. Beast is like, I have all these people. Like, I, I need a product. So I'm going to go start Mr. Beast Burger. Well, you know, he, he, what does he know about the burger industry? You know, so I think there's a tendency or I wonder, I wonder if there's a tendency for people who have done really, really well in one industry to be like, oh, I have all these customers like the rest of the ops will be easy. Um, and then you get into these ops problems and he's like, OK, this sucks. I don't want to do this. And it's like, that's not the way this works. You know, you, you, so I, I wonder if he just got out of his depth a little bit. Right. Because this is not a YouTube anymore. This is not his area of expertise.
1: Yeah. No, I think it's definitely. I think he probably thought, you know, everyone likes hamburgers, let's do hamburgers and, you know, maybe they kind of conceived the idea from COVID, you know, a lot of ghost kitchens were popping up where there's ordering only restaurants. Uh, I know they've also branched out into doing chocolates, like they got uh chocolates for sale. You got look at Logan Prime with uh Logan Prime <laughs> Logan Paul selling prime, you know, with drinks. So it's like People trying to the chocolate uh,
0: bar. The chocolate yeah. bar is brilliant. The the uh be uh feast, feastables. Feastables, yeah, that's what it's called. The chocolate yeah. bar is brilliant. If you have not ever heard of this or don't know anything about this, go to Walmart and you will see them. And for the first time in what I don't know fifty years, like Hershey has a real competitor, a real threat, a real threat, because you have you have hundreds and hundreds of millions of kids across the United States that watch this guy. And Hershey has been the dominant factor because they know how to make chocolate and disseminate and, and they're in all the, the grocery stores and so for your whole life you know Hershey products. But that's only because you know them. So you, you know them because you know them. It's because they're the only ones around. Well, now people know Mr. Beast, not from chocolate, from something else, but now he sells chocolate. So when you walk in there, you see Hershey and you say, and, which is just a brand you know, it's just an old corporate brand you happen to know. And you see Mr. Beast, who you love. And you're like, I mean, I'm going to tell you, I, I've not had a, a Feastable, but my guess is they probably don't taste that different, right? So mm-hmm. if it's 80% as good and the brand is twice as popular, they're going to go with the Feastable. So I think the problem with the burgers was uh, it's hot food. So you have to have it here and now. You have to be here now. And yeah, you can't just stock it on. The, the bars are small, right? You can send hundreds of them out, millions. You can send millions of them out. So I think the, the burgers are going to turn into um, – that's, that's way harder. The, now, the, the margins are probably better, but the logistics are way harder. The prime water is the exact same thing. It's like everybody's already buying water. We have logistics for this. You just have to put a label on this thing. You don't have to do anything differently. And you can cut into Dasani. You can cut into their market share.
1: The thing I like about the chocolates too is you can do the marketing around like holidays – So, you know, like Halloween, obviously, maybe Valentine's Day. So I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, when we watch uh, Mr. Beast videos in the future to see him re-shouting out Feastables and having some holiday twist to it that is, you know, revolving around the holiday. Um, But the other thing, too, like you said, that he got into Walmart right away. Like, just think of how powerful it is when you have the audience that big. And a captive audience, just to be able to get into Walmart, because I can't think of any other chocolates really other than Hershey's and Feastables. I mean, I know there's probably other brands. Mars. But Mars. So it's like yeah, you got those three. Like when when was their last time? Like you said, having a real competitor, and and now to have somebody like him, just come out of thin air.
0: It's uh, yeah,
1: it's powerful. Yeah, That's, it's.
0: When, it's powerful. It's also like... It, again, it comes down to what we're saying where I'm like, dude, that's why I want to do this podcast because, you know, it's, I, I, two two things. One, I want to help other people grow their brands. Two, I want to grow my own. And so I'm like, look, am I going to be Mr. Beast? Not likely. <laughs> Not likely. But again, we uh, I would love to... I, I watch what Peter McKinnon is doing, right? And here's... Peter McKinnon is a... He's a photographer who went onto YouTube and he's like, I'll teach people how to do photography. And then now... um. They got him selling uh, variable ND filters and bags at 400 bucks a pop. Does he sell a lot of them? I don't know. I think he's sort of like, he's becoming a, it's becoming a pretty, pretty powerful product though. But the point is like, you now have all these, these audiences that people are looking to fill with products in new ways. And so what I think is, is, is most interesting is existing brands don't know how to compete Because they are getting hit at a left field. Like, Hershey's never saw this coming. Like, this did not exist. And then one day they're like, wait, how did he... He has all these customers? He didn't have a product last year. So it's like a whole different game. It's a whole different game. Um, If Mr. B started his own, you know, video channel, YouTube would be like, what the heck? This came out of nowhere. How do you... You just come up with a competing platform. Um, So I, I think... I think that's, that's really interesting. The other thing is, again, for content creators, it's like, I had a guy today, he, he said to me, he's like, eh, content's hard, most people don't know how to do it, I don't know what I'm doing, it seems like a big waste of time, I'm just not going to do it. And I'm like, it, you know, this internet fad is not going to go away. Like, I think people need to look at these, these events and be like, look, you don't have to be Mr. Beast, you don't have to be Alex and Mosey to make a, not just a lot of money, but to, you know, create an audience... Connect with the community and, and serve the serve an audience with the, the, the value that you have to provide, and you can do it on almost any scale um, so i think I think these things signify that it's like it is time to get in the game
1: yeah, the internet's not going anywhere if you look at the YouTube uh, uploads so in 2011, it was like 50, like 5-0 hours of content being uploaded per minute on YouTube. And now it's surpassed 500 hours per minute. So like in the one minute that we were talking, 500 hours was uploaded. I think it's just going to keep rising and rising. But the people always think they have to be huge. You don't have to be huge. Like I talked to a mortgage lender. He has a video that ranks really well in his city For you know how to qualify for a home in my city, and it only has 4,000 views on that video, and he's made over $100,000 on that video alone, just because it ranks well in search, and people watch it, and then after they watch it, you know they want to do business with people you like, know, and trust, so they feel like they get to know him a little bit, they like him, they probably you know look at other videos on his page and watch those, and then after that they call him when they need a mortgage, and he's he's. You know, keep a track of all the stats on the back end. Hey, how'd you hear about me? Oh, the YouTube video. And it only has 4,000 views. It's made them 100 grand. It's like a beautiful story for anybody getting started to think, I can do this and I don't have to be super huge with my following.
0: I have a story like this. Do you know my story about this? No, I started let's hear it. a blog five, okay. six years ago Love called it. Broke as a Choice. I didn't do any SEO. I didn't write for marketing. I didn't have any paid ads. I didn't have a free giveaway download. I didn't barely even collect email addresses. I had a thing. You could put your email address in there. I didn't do anything with it. I didn't make a newsletter. I just wrote a blog once a week and I did that for a couple years and it got enough people that I got an email list of 350 people, 350. I currently have coming up on 3,500 on Instagram. So small, but 10 X. When I went and raised money for a multifamily apartment deal, I went to that email list and I got probably a million dollars in investors from 350 people. Wow. It's beautiful. That I didn't, that I barely tried. That's how I know content matters. I yeah. like for me, the million dollar deal, right? Uh, I bought a four, uh, $3 million deal, right? I needed a million dollars in cash to do it. Like that was a big deal for me. So these people like, I don't, I'm not Alex from I'm not making $60 million a year. And I'm, and I'm probably, I'm not trying to do that, but you know, What person, what entrepreneur who wants to make content is going to see, you know, what if this thing gets a hundred views, this, this YouTube episode, if this gets a hundred views and one of those people comes out and says, Hey, I'd like to hire you, Sean, or Hey, Alex, I'd like to do some consulting or whatever the case, or Hey, I think you'd be a great guest for our podcast. Like you just never know. You don't need all the people you need a cup. You need a couple to start, let's say. And Mm -hmm. I think people, they should make content. They should have a way to funnel the people to do a thing right if you're just making content for the sake of it, it doesn't work. You have to say, hey, this is what I want this content to do I'm looking to help people you know I'm looking to help entrepreneurs create content and I'm looking f- to help creatives talk the money language right Sean's looking for work in Las Vegas right Sean's looking to work with purpose driven entrepreneurs is that right I don't want to speak for mm-hmm. you yeah yeah purpose driven right? entrepreneurs but if you if you say those things out loud you and, and and you ask, right, and you give them a place to ask, um, which you and I have not done good at yet, but we'll fix that soon, um, people w- will reach out. So I, I encourage people, if you have a business of any sort, you have to make content, um, probably paid and organic if you want to really scale, but organic is free, and it works. Content matters. It matters. It works. You just got to do it a little bit. Do it a little bit.
1: Stay consistent. And it makes me think of, too, like the, uh, have you heard of the 1,000 true fans rule where you only really need a thousand true diehard fans. So when, Dude, when I think of stories like that, I'm like, all right, you know, stay consistent, do you know how many,
0: Do you know how many people are on Open Door Capital? That's Brandon Turner's um, commercial real estate fund. They bought, they just crossed 800 million in real estate assets in five years. Do you know how many people are on the email that are actual investors? 1,600s. Wow,
1: that's yeah.
0: great. It's not millions.
1: Yeah. And it's the right people too, but you just never know. You know, you could have one person watching might be the right person. That's looking for what you have to provide and we'll reach out.
0: Yeah. All right. We have, we're going to stop hard stop at 30 minutes. We're at 29. Actually, we might go a little over Sony versus Canon. Sony versus
1: Canon. I'm team Sony all the way, baby. Let's go you got the low yeah, light that's why I'm,
0: that's why I'm, that's why i'm better than you
1: <laughs> i'll give you this the the colors for canon are nice but i love sony because they do well in low light so if you're a sony if you're a sony uh, fan show support write something in the comments yeah, put it, so we can
0: change out in the comments mind. sony or canon i'm not changing my mind um I shot yesterday, I shot a promo video to get some podcast guests out here for, the, for our podcast. I shot it with the Canon C70. And uh, now that's a big camera. And I think Canon, I, I'm sure there's a Sony version that is saying this. The first can, uh, camera I've ever shot that has a built-in ND filter up to 10 stops. And so we oh, went nice. from the sea shed, which is dark, to outside in the middle of the day, which is bright. And it was so slick to just boop, boop, done. That was, that was so good. Now I'm sure that's not a Canon thing, but um, I was glad to have that fancy Canon camera. That made my life very easy. That's
1: nice. Well, I was looking at your uh, Instagram posts too, some of the pictures you guys took and I always love the colors and the Hawaii pics, man. I'm like, I should just download these and make it like a desktop background because they just always look Dude, so I'll send epic. you high
0: res if you want to do that. I will say yeah. this about, um, I will say this about some of those photos. Um, I over saturated those in a way that I don't usually do. What I love about art um, is, you know, you go through phases, right? When you're new and brand new, you, tend to, everybody tends to way oversaturate things. And then I I can only speak for myself afterwards as I started desaturating things and, you know, kind of going more muted to get away from it. And then I find myself now as I'm, you know, I don't know if it's a phase or just more maturity. I'm like, no, let's pump it up again. That's what people want. That's what they want to see on the internet. It works. And, you know, I don't do it to to an obnoxious degree, but those pictures, that set of pictures was definitely saturated to a a degree that I usually don't get to, but people like them. So it's just, I love when you're really committed to the art, you can stretch because you know that your work is not defined by the next picture. Your work is defined by your ever growing, ever changing body of work.
1: Sure. No, I love that. I, I think what's nice about yours too is they don't, it doesn't look like I've seen some online where it's like overdone and you're like, Ugh. but like when I see yours, I'm just like, Oh wow. Is it really that epic and beautiful in Hawaii?
0: Yeah, it is. So, like it, it looks great.
1: It, you know, it's not, it kind
0: of is, you know what? I posted a video of the same night, the next day. If you watch that, it's much duller. <laughs> uh, okay. I'll check that out. <laughs> yeah. You can't pump the color in on video like you can on, uh, on photos, not without degrading. I don't know. Maybe yeah. I'm just not good at it. It's just, it's an art, you know, you got to figure out how to, how to push, push, uh, the files as far as you can. And then, like you said, just experiment
1: a little bit. Somebody said this to me. It reminded me of the quote, you know, just get better 1% every day. And I was like, yeah, that's the goal, right? Just compare yourself to how you performed yesterday. Get 1% better, and that's the best we can do.
0: Yep. All right, Sean, I'm going to end this. Uh, hey, dude, great talking to you. I'll, we'll upload this. I think it's about tomorrow, but then we need to do an episode next week.
1: Absolutely. Let's do it.
0: All right, buddy. Great Here's talking Appreciate you.
1: Appreciate you. All right. Peace.